Welcome to Solving for B, your podcast for all things branding and marketing. In this episode, we chat about name, image, and likeness, or NIL. The recent NIL ruling allows NCAA athletes to profit off their name, image, and likeness. We break down how it will impact the brands of the athletes, athletic departments, conferences, and the NCAA as a whole. So sit back and enjoy this edition of Solving for B with Brand Extract. Hi, and welcome to Solving for B. I'm your host, Chris Wilkes, and I'm super excited for today's topic, which is the impact that the name, image, and likeness ruling will have on the brands of the NCAA, its member institutions, and the athletes themselves. And to help me break down the topic, I'm joined by our chairman, Jonathan Fisher. Hi, Chris. Looking forward to it. Our president and CEO, Bo Bodie. What's up, Chris? And our senior digital marketing manager, Kyle Smith. Hey, Chris, looking forward to this one. All right, guys. Thanks for uh, stopping in today. So, uh, so let's talk uh, name, image, and likeness, or as, the, you know, as it's more commonly referred to as NIL. Uh, so before we dive in too deep, I want to set the table uh, for some of the listeners who may not be familiar with what's going on. So uh, basically, the NCAA has conceded that they'll no longer restrict athletes from profiting off of their name, image, and likeness which has long been prohibited in college sports. Uh, this, in, this announcement happened earlier this summer, and it's been pretty chaotic since, you know, since the day it happened. Uh, things kind of started going crazy. So let's make sense of a little bit of this chaos. And, um, and, and the, where I want to start is how is this going to impact, or how do we think this is going to impact the schools, uh, the member institutions of the NCAA? How do we think this is going to impact their brands? Well, I think, you know, I think it's a mixed bag. You know, initially you could think that, you know, right now, while the schools don't technically make money directly off of the name, image, or likeness of their all-stars or their superstars, you know, they do benefit from their notoriety, right? And the, the, the student athlete doesn't benefit financially, you know, now while they may be popular on whatever, and then that, if they go to another level on some platform, um, but I think the two things are, you know, the existing schools kind of have a little bit more control right now because they are the PR mouth. They are the people that promote, you know, these athletes. Um, and that's going to change dramatically. Um, then there's going to be the haves and have nots, you know, that you kind of see. So, you know, how, how this is going to impact schools themselves will be it's kind of up in the air. Um, but if a school manages it's this appropriately, I think they can really benefit from it. Um, it'll be interesting to see where the student goes. Um, that's that's my biggest concern is what happens, you know, uh, if I'm making so much money that my classes really don't matter, what does that do to me psychologically? But that's a whole other thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and we'll definitely talk about the impact it will have on the students and as well as as the brands of those students. Right. Um, but but for me, I think one of the things you touched on, Bo, is like the haves and the have nots. Right. Like the, the, the And I don't necessarily think it's um, I don't know, there's going to the, the delineation or that line is going to be for me, the schools that can embrace this or, or adapt to it quickly. Right. Kyle and I have talked about, um, some of these programs you're, you know, I'm an LSU fan as, as you guys know very well. Um, the schools like LSU who've rebranded themselves already as N I L S U. So all their, all their Twitter, um, handles and all that kind of stuff is, is all updated to, to, to say, Hey, look, we're going to help you we're going to incubate your brand. If you come here, we're going to help Alabama's doing that. Uh, you know, Ohio state, I'm sure Michigan, Notre Dame, I'm sure the, the big boys are, are already doing that, but I think there is an opportunity for the schools that may currently be, let's say non power five, or they call them group of five. Um, I think there's an opportunity. If you really lean into this thing, then you can, I, I'm not, I'm not suggesting that you're going to ultimately be competing with the sec on the field, but you're going to stand a lot better chance, maybe a better chance than you ever have before of recruiting, um, of recruiting some of maybe some top tier talent, because there is a possible financial incentive for them to come to your school, as opposed to historically, there has not been, mm -hmm. but I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, what do you, I mean, do we think that this is going to make 
the school's brand, so let's say the Texas Techs maybe, uh, is, the, is that brand going to become more or less valuable and powerful, do we think? I think that there's, there's, a, there's a huge opportunity, I think, for the kind of especially the mid-tiers um, because if you're, if, if you're one of three top-tier quarterback recruits that are all going to Alabama because you want your shot, um, and we see what transfers have done over the last couple of years and the changes in some of the transfer rules. Um, I might be more apt to go to a Texas tech and be the face of their program. Um, whereas I've got to sit behind, you know, at LSU, I got to sit behind Joe Burrow for a year. I don't want to do that. I don't want to waste that year because it's costing me money, you know? And so I think it could actually benefit the the mid-tier programs um a little bit more even some of the smaller schools um you know from a standpoint of hey you know why not come be the face of this you know we may not win a ton of games and play a national championship but we are in a conference that is televised and oh by the way who cares because social media is what's going to blow up and if you're throwing you know 100 yard touchdown passes against you know, not against alabama's defense and not against lsu's defense what's to say you're not going to get more visibility here than you would, you know, rolling the dice at an Auburn, you know, or rolling the dice at a Texas A&M. I don't know. It'd be interesting to see because I, I can see where it could cut both ways. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by that, but Jonathan, ch chime in. Well, Chris, you asked like, how's this going to impact the schools? I think first off, it's going to create a whole layer of complexity that they aren't prepared for. Um, the bigger schools may have the, the capacity and the bandwidth to jump on it early, like you said, but I think the mid-tier and smaller schools are going to be struggling with everything from the legal regulations and rules to training boosters to, you know, coaching and educating the, the recruits that they're bringing on, on what can and can't be done. So I think there's an entire layer of complexity here that they are just going to be blindsided by. Uh, that because as it is right now, a lot of schools even struggle with their own basic marketing, you know, so now multiply that times 50, 60 or 500, um, you know, individuals that are going to be trying to, you know, generate revenue and, and exposure for themselves and for their careers within that same set of frameworks that's there. So I think that's a big piece of the complication that's going to be coming out of a lot of these institutions right out of the gate. Yeah, the compliance department's better better get, you know. Well, and it, it's weird too, because I'm of two minds, right? So you have the compliant the compliance piece of it where we need to be in lockstep with the NCAA rules, but the the trick there is that the NCAA doesn't they they've basically kind of take taken a step back and haven't put in really strong parameters on it. So it, it boils down to like like different state laws and state regulations, but also in, in the athletic department, like, you know, Powerade is the official sports drink of LSU, right? What happens whenever their running back or Derek Stingley Jr., who's their cornerback, star cornerback, um, he wants to go and he wants – Gatorade approaches him. How do, how do you make those two work together? <laughs> are they exclusive licenses or they're not? So those guys, yeah, there's – it's and it's already started to be kind of chaotic out of the gate. Yeah. You would imagine there would be some sort of – I don't want to call it correction, but some sort of, you know, transition into maybe, okay, this is how this thing's going to work. But for right now, Jonathan, I think you're right. It, it's going to be like a trial by fire. Uh, you I know, mean, for, well, for you've got, you got a little bit of a gold rush going on right now, but let's just take bandwidth capacity and rules and compliance and set those aside and just look at the sheer impact to cultural management. You know, the if these individuals are, are gaining tons of followers and making tons of money, you know, how are they going to juggle that from, you know, a peer pressure standpoint? Are they are they mentally ready to handle it? Is is the cultural program ready to deal with the, the fallouts and ramifications of prima donna personalities that may be created overnight? What's that going to do to the institutions and just, you know, how are they going to juggle that? So I think there's so many dimensions to this. They're going to be interesting to watch and unfold. Well, and I think, yeah. I think people are going to, from a purely marketing standpoint, I mean, when you look at branding, brand association, right? And Chris, you just talked about it. What, what happens when Gatorade and Powerade collide? Um, you think about it from an influencer standpoint, you know, uh, Johnny scores a touchdown, jumps over, all of a sudden, 
that you see that he flips in the air and scores a touchdown, right? And the Nike logo wipes in the air slowly. And then he puts that on his, his Twitter page or an Instagram or boomerangs it in some sort of way. And the Nike logo keeps popping up over and over and over. Well, Nike's paying that school for that sponsor to sponsor their shoes. And then from an influencer standpoint, is Nike then going to go, Oh, I'll pay you for every, you know, every hit you get, I'm going to pay you 50, whatever the contract is, you know, but then how does that, to Jonathan's point, from a structural standpoint, contractual standpoint, to your point, the collision of the different brands, and then Johnny's, you know, like, oh gosh, right? Uh, um, he's not sponsored by Nike, but his post is sponsored by Nike, right? And so I think that's something that nobody's talking about yet as much, um, is that is those the kind of long tail sponsored posts kind of capabilities. It's going to be one thing to have, I hate to say it, Johnny Manziel hawking cars in College Station, right, as the quarterback of Texas A&M. This is going to be another thing that, you know, that Joe Deepsnapper makes some crazy play and it, it blows up and 52 people want their ad popping up every time it shows. I mean... It is so complicated and it's going to create a lot of really strange brand associations and collisions and time will tell, you know, who that benefits. But ultimately though, it benefits the school, right? Because the school's got their logo on the shoe and school, I mean, they may not get paid, but they're getting the impression. So it'll be really interesting to kind of see how all that plays out. Well, you just touched on the long tail effect, right? So what is the long tail ramifications of this? These are these students are young. They're not. Their minds aren't fully developed to handle the the future implications of what they might decide to do now. You know, five, ten years down the road, how it might affect their professional careers. Um, so I just think there's a just there's just throw that dimension into it. It's this whole sort of, you know, f- future coaching and almost. I think there's going to be this niche industry that's created just to deal with this beyond what already exists. I think it's going to be a whole specialized set of skill sets and, mm-hmm. and organizations and consultants out there. They're going to be working with these institutions and these, prof- and these, these young professional, you know, future players, you know, <laughs> these young, not professional, semi-professional, not professional, <laughs> amateur, professional yeah. student athlete. Yeah. Pro-am. Yeah. Yeah. Pro-am. <laughs> yeah. Never mind their, their status. I mean, what does it make them, yeah. you know, when it comes to things like the Olympics or when it comes to things yeah. like amateur competition, you know, they're now getting paid. What is that? Again, how the rules play themselves out, we'll adapt to it so that the right people are getting the right things. Mostly um, we always do. Um, but, you know, there are going to be those kind of especially strange collisions now um, both psychologically and emotionally, but also brand wise. Yeah. Well, I think going back to what Jonathan said, yeah, about, um, schools that are being opportunistic are already seeing ways to gain a competitive advantage by building systems to help these athletes promote their brands. Duquesne basketball is one that comes to mind. They hired an individual who's a personal brand coach. He is there specifically to support the athletes in building their brands. Um, like you mentioned, Chris, a lot of schools have shifted, totally shifted their messaging to, we have X number of followers. This is how visible our brand is. This is how we can help you grow your visibility by the brand association there. Um, think about it's Bryce Young at Alabama mm-hmm. and a comment Nick Saban made recently about he hasn't, he hasn't played one down for Alabama yet. He has over a million dollars in endorsement deals already. Is that Bryce Young or is that because of the strength of Alabama's brand? Right. Um, and then one more thing about what you mentioned earlier, Bo, are, are student athletes going to select opportunities to go to schools maybe based more on uh, visibility of the program or the program's ability to support their brand more than mm-hmm. the ability of the program to win? Yeah. yeah. It, it, I think – go ahead, Chris. I was going to say, so this it, – it, it's it's crazy to me to think about all the possibilities and implications of this because you know you have these schools that um, 
you know, the, the, it's always a debate. Who's DBU? Who's RBU? Who's, you know, who turns in the best quarterbacks and all that kind of stuff. So it's always been a perceived value, right? I'm going to go play at Purdue because they put quarter as a quarterback. I'm going to go play at Purdue because they put quarterbacks in the NFL, right? Maybe they're not winning a ton of games, but they've got, they've got a system there where they develop quarterbacks. Well, now there's a monetary component to that. So it'll be interesting to see if the, in this example, if Purdue decides, Hey, let's really put our, let's put our, our focus into recruiting and, and branding ourselves as the quarterback whisperers, not only is there a potential future in it for you to go to the league, but there is an immediate potential for you to cash in on that because you know, you are the quarterback at QBU that stands for something that's worth something. So it would be interesting, but Bo, uh, what, what were you going to chime in on? Yeah, I think, I, I think, you know, uh, John, uh, not to disagree a little bit with what Jonathan said, but you know, social media is a leveler. I think, you know, the access of a Duquesne to have two or three really awesome content generators and their access to having video, like the university's got their own communications group, um, to develop a lot of this. I mean, it's unbelievable how much content Texas Tech puts on Instagram. It's it, like, to me, it kind of blows my mind, right? And that's a team of four. It's, you know, Duquesne now has this opportunity to compete with <laughs> if they are able to generate com content at a high level and like fill up somebody's, you know, post then there's an ownership thing with the content. I mean, that's a whole nother deal too. Like who videos this and who owns it? Yeah. I mean, that yeah. if this is the school's tape or if Johnny's picking some, like a, a thing off of CBS or ESPN and then he profits or she profits from it on a social channel, there's a copyright issue there. I mean, there are just, uh, just so many kind of crazy things here, but I think you, kind of, you tapped into it, Kyle, and, and Chris, what you're talking about with a Purdue, like a mid, you know. Yeah. They all, they all now are competing, right? Now, the brand, the Texas brand or the, the Alabama brand's out there, it's obviously going to carry greater weight. It's obviously going to have more eyeballs on it. It's obviously going to have more impressions on ESPN, um, which only helps that athlete you know, when they're throwing 52 touchdown passes, um, which I think is going to, again, <laughs> drive these guys to run up the score because, you know, good for the, the brand. More touchdown passes I throw, the more I'm going to show up, you know, as opposed right. to, you know, hey, look, we're benching him in the third so he didn't get hurt, um, which never happens anymore, by the way. <laughs> but um, I don't know, man. It's crazy. But, but also to flip that thinking a little bit, it's almost a coup when some smaller school um, attracts an individual who has in high school built a, a huge following on social media. Um, I, I think there's a, an athlete at BYU and she runs her own YouTube channel, Instagram, um, thousands and thousands of followers. Um, and the school is benefiting tremendously from the visibility that they get on her channel as well. Um, so just, it, it can be mutually beneficial when, when you, yeah. when you play it right. Well, symbiotic relationships cut both ways and Kyle's exactly right. But you also take that risk on if they do something foolish, mm -hmm. your brand gets tanked when their brand gets tanked a little bit, you know? So you gotta, it's, it, this is a double-edged sword. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So, that, and I think that applies. I think that's more of a caveat to, um, to the to the to the 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 brands that will be sponsoring these athletes because you've always had that. Like with, with I, look, I'm gonna again, I'll, I'll say this ten times in this episode, but I'm an LSU fan, and I can't tell you every year, you know, Lee going into training camp, it's like, oh, well, this guy got kicked off the team because he did something silly or whatever, and it it, it doesn't. There's enough brand affinity. There's enough brand loyalty there that it doesn't damage the brand insulation there, that it doesn't damage the, the LSU brand. It's fairly insulated from that, but it'll be interesting to see if, you know, somebody gets in trouble um, and they're uh, sponsored by even the local car dealership, right? Like it, the, the, that brand might have to deal with backlash from that kid smoking pot and getting kicked off the team, you know, like whatever yeah. it is. There's going to be it. So it, it, it doesn't introduce like a, a whole different dynamic. Well, it might it might create an incentive structure for some of these 
kids to think a little bit more about their personal brands, right? If they're getting paid to manage it better, might it might positively reward and encourage and discourage some of that negative behavior and encourage the positive behaviors out of this process. I mean, there, yeah. that could be that could be a benefit from all of this. Definitely. And and so this is you guys are doing my job for me. You you have transitioned successfully into talking about it's where we were going next is like, how does this impact the brands of those individuals of those student athletes, if that's what we're still calling them? Um, How does this impact them? Obviously, there's the, the, you know, now they can make name image likeness, but what are some of the considerations that they need to like, take into account as they're, uh, they're trying to build their brand or, you know, leverage their brand? Is there anything that you know, as, as experts yourselves in branding, is there anything that they should probably consider or think about? Well, I think going off with what Jonathan said about, um, I think the athletes that think like entrepreneurs and they they take these sponsorships and they reinvest it in building their own brands, um, building almost their own media companies are going to, to have that advantage long-term. Um, thinking about once their playing days are over, you know, are they, are they taking that sponsorship money and actually investing it or are they, are they spending it um, on other things? Um, So that'll be interesting. But I think the ones that, that think entrepreneur, like entrepreneurs um, have that, that big advantage long-term. Yeah. Are they being, are they being smart with it? Like you said, Kyle, are they being Chris Wilkes at 18 years old and just (laughs) blowing it on, you know, natural light and you know fast food and crap like that so so they're all going they're all going to roll in business schools and marketing communications programs <laughs> is, is that what we're saying <laughs> yeah well it might behoove a, them to do so right exactly right yeah it might change their career paths yeah yeah well i think i do think much like when we encourage companies to really think about their their ethos or the way they want people to think about them I think athletes do this already, like top tier athletes, you know, Tom Brady, you know, squeaky clean, look at me, I'm so good, you know, kind of thing. And a lot of the even college athletes kind of deal with that, but they don't get enough, they don't get as much face time to have to really worry about it. I think now, I think now you're going to, you're going to have the Wow, he's in he's in the Brian Bosworth bad boy character and she's in the Hope Solo bad girl character and he's in the, you know, clean cut Joe Burrow character and he's in the wild party guy but they're going to I think the hard part and this is back to what you were a little bit talking about right at the beginning Jonathan, you know, this is a young person right and so when they become into it's almost like a Disney star right they get into that cult of personality it's going to be really hard for them you know, to, to then break it when they're not a superstar anymore. And so that's a, that's a byproduct. It's not the topic of this, um, but being thoughtful, like uh, building on kind of what Kyle was talking about, being thoughtful about their, their brands, their persona, the way they want to be seen. Um, and the best way to do that is to be true to who you are. You know, if you're a jerk on the football field, then be a jerk. You know I mean? If you're just a mean, angry, if you have to play football angry, then that's what you need to be. You know, and then you get angry sponsors, you know, I mean, yeah. you know, angry orchard is now your sponsor, I mean, <laughs> whatever. But I think those are the kind of things that, that, that they don't, they don't think about right now. They just are. And I think they're going to have to become more deliberate as time goes on, if they want to monetize this in a kind of different way. And if they want to manage their own personality and, and schools are already doing that for them, but the schools are putting them in a box and I think now these kids are probably going to put them They're They're going to have more say in how people perceive them good and bad, right or wrong, right. which will turn into a recruiting thing. You know, do we want this kid? Cause we know he's going to have a platform or she's going to have a platform and Holy crap. They play really angry. And I don't want to, I don't want to Draymond green on my team. You know, yeah. I don't want to be perceived that way, even though I want them, I don't want the perception to be that. Well, yeah. I think, and I think the best way to, to build a brand is to create content and you don't own your brand, you manage it. And the best way to, for you personally to, to have, um, so that management, not, not control, but manage your brand is to be visible and create content mm-hmm. for YouTube and social media. And yeah, I think that's, that's what athletes need to do 
to build their their personal brands and its consistency in, in sharing that content over time. Yeah, which is helpful to 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 a lot of these athletes that get misnomered too. I mean, some of them they have one play that defines them, but if they have a ton of content out there that's contrary to that one play, it's harder to go, oh, that's the guy that dropped the pass, or that's the woman that dropped that missed the shot, or that's the that's the person that hit the hurdle. You know, it, it's oh, look at all this other content out here about how big a human being they are, how broad they are, all that kind of stuff. All of a sudden, ESPN doesn't get to you know, over and over and over and over, or Twitter doesn't get to over and over and over show their one non-shining moment, right? And so to your point, Kyle, you can protect your brand a lot by being more visible um, in the right ways, you know? And so I, I don't know, there's, that's a whole nother thing to talk about well, here that's pretty interesting. Well, it's like, it's like any corporate brand, you know, you can, you can build up uh, good corporate citizenship through philanthropy, through days of service, you know, through giving back in many different ways, foundations, sponsorships, and whatnot, these individuals are going to have to start thinking about that side of their brand so that they can, quote, to your point, protect or insulate them brand, themselves against that, those accidents, those missteps, those foolish things you do as a teenager, you know, right. as, as, a, as a young adult. Um, because, you know, the public's going to be more forgiving if they earn those credits, if you will, those chips, you know, through that positivity of those, those things where they've given back to others and, and, and to nonprofits and to, to whatever it be. But if they make this all about just endorsements and for any product that wants to pay them money, it's not going to be building any protection around their process to, to yeah. Kyle's point about generating the, the type of content and being strategic about the type of content that they put together, not just right. athletic content, you know, and talent, you know, out there on the field, but you know, that whole, that whole man, that 360, what it means to be a professional athlete in today's highly public, highly visible 24 seven, you mean you know, student professional athlete, right? Student I mean, professional <laughs> pro am student. Still trying athlete. to figure that one out. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna keep like coming up with new acronyms during this, this conversation, <laughs> right. but but this, you know, the semi-pro uh amateur. Yeah, SBA. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, they gotta they gotta think about this. So I think you know, stepping back and looking at themselves and starting to learn what it means to manage a brand to Kyle's point. Because, you know, in today's market society, anybody can trash any brand. It's almost impossible to, quote, control. You can't stop people from saying stuff or doing things against the brand. But you can manage that and react against that. And, and that's where I think they're going to need some, a lot of guidance and help in thinking about their own, their own future and what do they want it to be. And just like a corporation does mission, vision, and values, you know, and strategic planning. Um, they need to do that for themselves, not just from an athletic standpoint, but from a brand perspective now. Yeah. Well, but how many, how many of you guys other than me actually sat down and thought about that at 12? I mean, I'm, I'm just saying, you know, oh, nobody, nobody. There, there, very there, there are very few people that, that, that have a sense of self at that age. That's big enough to manage a significant online personality without being swayed or tainted. It's going to be interesting. I, I think it just, Forget the psychology of it all. I, you know, it's just how is this going to change culture? You know, in college athletics, how is it going to change? I was thinking high school today. You know, my daughter just today made the volleyball team. Yay! I mean, if she wanted to play college athletics, this is a different landscape. You know, where my son was like, uh. Eh, I don't want to go spend the extra time and play college ball. It's they, they own you and I want to go do other things. Now I might think about training a little harder in high school. I might think about pushing myself a little bit more because the Duquesne or the Duquesne's now have a voice, you know, and I can go play there. And, and, you know, there, there is an opportunity for me beyond just school to make some money and even to and altruistically pay for my college. Yeah. Uh, if I'm not a scholarship athlete or help my family out. Um, so, so there, there, we, we talked a little bit, it's a little bit slanted toward the negative, you know, but there are some wonderful opportunities that this offers these athletes, you know, whatever we believe is right or wrong or is good or bad. Um, you know, the reality is, you know, how are you going to, we talk kind of, how are you going to take advantage of this in a way that fits your persona? Um, and I think that's a big component of this. 
that even at the high school level, it's going to impact. You know, forget the superstar, you know, the mid-tier athlete. You know, this impact, this affects them, especially when you're talking about local, small local schools. You know, there may be a car dealership in Lubbock, Texas, that's going to pick up, you know, some tight end because they're just a bigger than life person. They're never going to play college, but, but you know, they, they make the one catch and it blows up and it pays for a semester. You know, there are yeah. those kind of things that are going to happen. There's already a child, there's already child influencers to make tens of millions of dollars. Right. <laughs> so I think this is just going to put pressure on really young kids. Cause some parents, we know the kind of parents they are, you know, from day one, my kid's going to be an Olympian or he's going to be pro he's going to make starting pitcher for, you know, yeah. the Yankees. Uh, this is going to create a whole nother layer because there's already tons of child influencers and teenage pressure, influencers yeah. out there that are dealing yeah. with this. And now you just open up another layer to it, you know, at mm-hmm. the, at this level. I think we've been, we've been asked before about, is it worth investing in, in social media, in con- digital content that, that could be for B2B company or personal brands. And I think at the end of the day, the benefits of being visible outweigh those risks. And you even have to question if an athlete isn't active on social media, but is performing on the field, do they, are they hurt? Are they shooting themselves in the foot or, or run the risk of becoming obsolete? Or like you were saying earlier, Bo, you can protect your brand by creating content. And if they're not doing that and they have this one misstep or this one moment in time um, and they, they haven't invested in that, does that potentially hurt them? Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, a, it'll be an interesting, cause there's part of me, you know, the old, the old dude in me, you know, there's part of me that's like, you just go get, do your job and it'll all work out. And while that, that's a nice thought <laughs> in today's world, I don't know if that's enough anymore. You know, I mean, having been involved, coached, you know, coached tournament basketball, been involved in the recruiting process, seeing what goes on and how it happens, you know, you kind of got to sell yourself, you know, if you're not just a superstar, Um, because there, you know, there's the other 80% of college or 90% of college athletes that just go on the, on the field and they play, or they go on the court or they get on the track or they do whatever, they just get it done. I think it's going to make, I mean, you already have tons of applications and ways, you know, huddle and, um, and max prep and, you know, tons of ways to get your content online. Um, and then to your point, Jonathan, when you're at the school, I mean, again, following my red Raiders, I meant to like completely be geared out today and I forgot, Um, (laughs) but you know, Instagram blows up every time they go to a, a hospital or they provide gifts at Christmas or they do whatever, man, that, that tech puts up thousands of pictures, right? And th- to your point, Kyle, there is at least a, a reshare that should happen to that individual. When they're pictured, that individual's to, to do what Jonathan's talking about, which is protect your brand at least. Hey, look at all these opportunities my school gives me to go do good in the community. I'm out here being involved. If I'm in the echo chamber of that person's feed, I'm thinking, wow, they're really good guys. You know, I don't realize that the, the university is generating a ton of that content for me. Um, I think there's just some basic blocking and tackling that these kids are going to have to think about that they're probably doing already anyway. Um, yeah. But how do you do that in a way that's beneficial um, to your brand? And is that thoughtful? Um, which, again, there's for me, it's like an 18, 19, 20-year-old being really thoughtful about their brand at that age. Yeah. Well, and you know what? Something, something strikes me. Well, a couple things really. One is that, Bo, you talked, you talked about like the 90%, right? Like in the number, frankly, is probably even higher, probably like 95% of athletes that this is going to be their moment to, and moment is strong, but this is going to be their opportunity to cash in. Maybe that guy who makes the one handed catch, who's a walk on and has never, you know, and that ends up all over sports center he'll be able to cash in as to where, look, he doesn't have a future in the NFL, right? He's, that was his one shining moment and he can, he can make good on that. So I think in that aspect, and even, even some of these um, uh, like swimmers or I, Kyle and I talked about 
um, the the most followed uh, person, college athlete on on, on uh, social media is a gymnast from LSU. I'm an LSU fan. I had no idea who she was prior to that, but she, you know, the day of NIL got kind of got kind of enacted. She was in Times Square with all these billboards and you know announcing all these deals. Um, so it gives her an opportunity that otherwise she may have gone on to parlay that into like a good social media influencer career, but maybe not. Right. Maybe, you know, God forbid an injury happens and then her, her moment to cash in on that is gone. So in that way, it's a good thing. But, but another thing that kind of dawns on me, the other piece that dawns on me is that, um, a lot of this stuff, a lot of a lot of this branding, if you will, and personal branding and all that kind of stuff, it's kind of happened. It's just now there's the money component on it, right? Like you you had the you know you think I think back to to the Vince Youngs and the Matt Leinerts, and you even talked about Brian Bosworth and and right. going all the way back there to to present day. <laughs> um, there's these guys have had brands, and it goes back. Kyle, you alluded to it. You don't, you don't, you know, you don't own your brand, you manage it. Um, those, whether you liked it or not, you became that guy, that heavy hitter, that guy who plays with a chip on his shoulder, the all American, the whatever it is, you, you were that brand. It's just now the opportunity is there for those, those people to, uh, well, one, it's the opportunity to cash in on it, but two, it just shines a brighter light and, and emphasizes the importance of those folks managing that brand. And then I guess the final piece of it that I, that crossed my mind is like, are there enough hours in the day for a guy like, think about a guy like Johnny Manziel, right? At, at his, at his height, um, when his hype was as big as it was, I would, I, I have never considered myself a Johnny Manziel fan, but there's no doubt his brand kind of took on a life of its own. And I think it ate him up. I think it, it overwhelmed him. But thinking about if you if you have to if you have to go to class to maintain grades, right? NCAA, you know, schools have these these GPA averages. If there's a, a need to manage your brand, create content for your brand, then there's practices there, you know, if you can try to squeeze in some personal life in there, like there's going to be a lot of stresses added to these, these student athletes. And I'm, you know, I'm not saying that they won't be compensated for it, but like the highest of the high in there, um, frankly, they're probably going to have to hire two, three, four people teams. I mean, Kyle, you mentioned Bryce young earlier. He hasn't played a snap for Alabama and he's got a million dollars, you know, in the bank or a million dollars worth of endorsements. If, if he has more, if he has more success and the endorsements come poured in, then you're gonna hire a, a guy who's gonna gonna be you know an agent or somebody who who helps with your bookings and helps with your schedule and you know all that kind of stuff. But then there's it, it sucks because then they're kids, right? And and how do you protect them from bad actors who are just trying to like take you know take their money? Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's all kind of a, a complicated web. And, and oh, it, by the yeah. way, when are they going to class? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't mean to be the voice of reason here, and, <laughs> and it gets kind of crazy. But you know, there is a value to that education, and I, I know that everybody's kind of gone on and on. You know, I'm I'm not a fan of the college football playoff, but at this point, it's a it's an avalanche that needs to happen, right? It ruined the bowls. It ruined I you know my ability to go to some crazy place somewhere else and and watch a game is getting more and more limited, right? Um, and, and more and more irrelevant, to be frank. Um, but then you also add the fact, you add this to that, you, you start to add these money-making things to it. And then at what point, I mean, you know, what, what people will say is, well, they weren't going to school for, you know, they were just being taken advantage of by the schools and they weren't going to school for class. They were just going to school for football. Well, shame on all those people. I mean, this is an amazing opportunity for them. You, you watch this with these Olympic athletes, you know, they know that they're not going to make lifetime money running track. Some of them can now, but you know, they mostly, but you know, they're, they're getting degrees in, in research for cancer and going to Columbia. And I mean, they're, they're parlaying their athletic excellence into really nice opportunities. Now, the other side of it is probably 90% of the people that are doing that on scholarship are doing that. There's that other 5%, 3% that all we hear about or they're not going to class. I mean, I remember Byron Hansbard 
And, you know, that kind of didn't work out in the pros, but, you know, just didn't go to classes last semester. And I just always, there's a commitment there and there is a payment, you know, there is something that comes to those student athletes and the gift of an education and they're earning it. You know, they're working hard and doing that. Are the schools taking advantage of them? Probably. But I don't know, man. It, the back, all the way back to what Jonathan's talking about. There's just a fundamental component to this is like they are getting to go to college at a top tier university like the University of Texas, as much as it pains me to say that name. You know, that's amazing. It's a blessing for them. You know, how do they take advantage of that too? And then th- we add this layer of complication on there. I mean, how many students are going to flame out because they spent all their time on Twitter and they didn't go to class? You know, I mean, I, it's, uh, it's interesting. It's interesting, but it's like, let's take a breath here, guys. This isn't just about making money. <laughs> you right. know? Um, yeah. yeah, I think one thing's for certain and that, that we've, we've outlined here and you guys made really good, good um, points on is like this stuff needs to be managed, right? The expectations, the, you know, both if there's an athlete who spends all his time on Twitter because look, Hey, I'm, I'm going for it. You know, I'm, I'm, it's, it's all or nothing here. And, and he doesn't go to class and he squanders the opportunity. Um, then like you said, shame on him, but how much more is this going to increase that, that, the that desire to do that? To do right. that. Correct. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, okay. So, so the last piece I want to talk about here, we talked about the institutions themselves. We've talked about the athletes. I want to talk about how this is going to impact the NCAA. Um, I've been hearing a lot of, and I don't know that I agree with it, but, but I want to get your guys' take on it. I've been hearing a lot of this is the end, end of the NCAA as, as we know it. Um, do I think it, it's going to be the exact same form? No, but I don't think it goes away. Um, I think there's still a place for it here. But how does this impact their brand? I mean, there's a lot of animosity towards that brand. We have a, a previous podcast episode, shameless yeah. plug here. Uh, that talks about the NCAA and kind of their role in all this, well, prior to this, but their role in college athletics. W- what does this do to to the power of the NCAA, NCAA brand? I think it's done. I think <laughs> I, I, I think it's the power is in the hands of the universities and the conferences now, where even the SEC, I feel like, I think is discussing creating their own, uh, separating from the NCAA, creating their own, um, rules and, and governing themselves. And I think it's, it's years of talking about student athletes and student coming first and going pro in something other than sports, which should still be the goal of college athletics, like you were just talking about, Bo. But that's something that, um, you know, they've let the athletes be, be taken advantage of from a, a compensation aspect for for a number of years now and uh i think it's finally come back to to bite them um i think just in the past couple days they've had some like emergency meetings to discuss changing their mission as an institution so that will be interesting to see what they come out with um as they they try and pivot and kind of rebuild their messaging going forward did, did they put an RFP out for that? Because I think we, you know, I know a couple of guys who might <laughs> be able to help. Something like that. I think we might be able to help. Uh, but yeah, that's that's an interesting take. And, and I mean, look, you you very well might be right, but as the, the, Bo, you referenced yourself as like being the kind of old guy, you know, mentality in the room. You know, look, if the NCAA goes away and the, and the SEC breaks off and does its own thing, I got to say, I look, I'm, I'm, I'm as staunch as an SEC supporter, LSU supporter, um, maybe not as there is, but I, look, I, I love college football. It, it's it, it, I, every Saturday in the fall, I'm going to be in front of a television watching that. Um, I, I think with, if, if SEC, if the SEC goes away or these conferences start breaking off and doing their own thing, man, that, that significantly changes and devalues the product because I get really excited for, uh, for these interconference matchups and these big games between play, you know, like it, it, it I, I, I think it hurts if, if the NCAA does go away, just pure, that's my own personal opinion. And this isn't about opinion. It's more about kind of, you know, facts and, and what we think is going to happen. But um, I don't know. I, 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 you might be right, but I kind of hope you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, 
I think I think the NCAA brand, look, it's really complicated, you know. And I think I think that's a whole nother podcast. We can talk about that at some point again, but um, <laughs> yeah, part two of that. Yeah, because I mean, what what happens to what happens to swimming? A swimming program at a university. What happens to a gymnastics program at a university? You know what happens when when all that matters is the football program or the basketball program, and then they have more control and they don't have to distribute revenue and they don't have to do the things. Some of the things that the NCAA has done a good job of doing, and equity and all that kind of stuff. Um, what happens? You know, I mean, is your your career in water polo done at? You know, because you can't afford these schools can't afford to do it. And there's no revenue sharing anymore, you know, and so it gets all jacked up. I mean, I, I think we may be at an inflection point where, where there needs to be another tier or division, just like there's a division two and a division three and NCAs, NAIA and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. We may just be at that point. There's just too many teams. That's fine. But I do think, I don't know, it could go either way, Kyle. I think, you know, changing missions is an interesting kind of, oh, Really? I mean, you've been this way for a long time. Are you changing mission because you're a friend? Are you changing mission because you were wrong? Um, I think at the end of the day, the NCAA brand can significantly benefit from this um, because there are student athletes that are doing well. If that brand is still associated with the schools and the conferences, then they all boats, everything rises. And now we've got this whole pay, pay thing taken care of. And the NCAA doesn't have to do anything but put a handful of rules on it and let the schools police themselves if that overall governing body goes away it might be better for the sec but i'll tell you i'm not gonna be watching a ton of sec games because yeah. i'm like you know one texas and a&m and oklahoma are dead to me now <laughs> uh, and missouri and missouri and, well missouri didn't count anyway <laughs> but, um, they're dead to me now and like why do i watch that I didn't go to any of the schools. I don't have an affiliation with any of them. I don't, I don't care about any of them. Now there's the NFL, right? There's the NFL. So, you know, like I'm going to watch my college team product. Yeah. And I love college football. I'll watch a game, but I'm not going to get into it because I have no dog in that hunt anymore. And so I think narrowing down the target audience may come back to bite people in the rear. You know, it's not just because ESPN televises their games that they're popular. Um, You know, it's, there, there is something to college sports about being a part of a conference or being a part of a bigger thing that, that, that attracts people to those brands. And I think the NCAA, nobody thought about that, but the NCAA was kind of holding all that together um, <laughs> in a weird, maybe not perfect way. But now when they can go whatever, you know, Pac-12 plays at midnight, I'm out. Unless Texas Tech <laughs> goes to the Pac-12 and then I'm watching. Um, you know, but that that's... I don't know. It's interesting. It's a great question. Time will tell. I don't know. The NCAA, has, I think to your point, Kyle, lost a little control there. Um, and that's the big so, issue here is that we've, we're putting control in the players' hands, and that's going to change the dynamic at schools. It's going to change the dynamic for conferences, and it definitely changes the dynamic of the NCAA brand. Well, I think the NCAA has a role. I don't think it goes away. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take an opposing view from Kyle. <laughs> uh and I'll tell you why. One, look, the NCAA's mission is to regulate intercollegiate athletics, right? And it's supposed to enhance the the higher education, you know, process. And it's supposed to protect things to be fair and safe and sportsmanlike. And so I think that because the states are going to be empowered to set some of their own regulations, I think there's going to be this role to kind of still provide a governance role to provide a, to provide this leveling perspective to these these like their mission may shift a little bit but i think there's still going to be this need for some glue and some and some security and some oversight across the board otherwise i think it's wild wild west and i think the nca can move into that role you know they may not own it but they may help manage it or regulate it or monitor it or guide against it um across what may be a very set of unlevel playing fields state by state, you know, across all of this. So yeah. I think, I think that they're still needed in, in that regard and maybe some of their other efforts and activities and focus drop off, but you know, I, I, we still need a lot of that core from their mission. They, they say, need, 
they need to evolve. I think there's no question there. But Kyle, I want to give you a chance to uh, to cross-examine. Well, I, I, <laughs> I, I'm with everything that was just said. I, I, I don't, I'm not wishing for the NCAA's downfall. I think what does get overlooked in a lot of these conversations is what, what everyone's mentioned, all the good that it's done over the years. And it's been that glue for these schools created this culture that um, we, this community that we've all gravitated to. Um, But I think there's even a changing dynamic of athletes thinking about what's the best developmental pathway for me. And that's changing rapidly in sports like soccer and basketball, where you're not going to college. If you're serious, a serious athlete is not the best option for you. Um, Soccer and basketball, the two that come to mind where companies are paying um, high school basketball athletes to, to sign with them and play in their leagues. And then MLS is creating U23 leagues for, for those athletes who are on the cusp of, of going pro in their first team. So it's just one more piece of, of what is um, eroding the NCAA's brand and, and control over specifically athletics. Well, and Kyle, I mean, I just thought about this, but you as a Notre Dame alum, you better hope the NCAA doesn't go away. Um, you know, because that's, that's what keeps you guys in the mix. You know, we don't need a conference, Chris. That's well, obviously, obviously. Okay. BYU. Well, <laughs> well, look guys, I think this is great. We, we really, uh, we covered a lot here. We covered a lot of ground. It's super interesting. I think we're all, you know, on some level sports fans. So, um, I think just aside from, you know, the, the branding aspect is really cool, but just talking about what, you know, um, these two worlds colliding is, is really cool. So I appreciate the time. Um, you guys have a good one and we'll catch up again next time. Thanks guys. Thanks guys. Thanks, Thanks for Chris. Chris. That's it for this edition of solving for B. If you enjoyed the episode, check out brandextract.com for more content from our team about all things branding and marketing. Thanks again for tuning in to Solving for Beat.